This morning we continue in our journey through the book of Acts. We're in chapter 4 this morning and the title of the message series is Unstoppable. We see here in Acts, once again in Acts chapter 4, the gospel, the plan of Christ, the plan of God and salvation continues to march forward, unstoppable uh, throughout history and to us today here. Um, you know, we live in a very divided culture right now. Is there a, is there a bigger understatement than that? Um, it has moved from where it seems like in the past, if we disagreed, um, we just disagreed. You were wrong and I was right, basically. But now it's turned into, you're my enemy. You're not wrong, you're evil when you disagree with me. We have different thoughts on things. We, we fight, we oppose. You see uh, terms like resist um, in our society. And really what we're doing is we're persecuting one another. Persecution, that word, the Oxford Dictionary means hostility and ill treatment, especially on the basis of ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. We attack each other. We're hostile towards one another. In America, now, we claim that we don't have any of that. We claim that we fight against that, and the core of who we are is we don't persecute any group, right? But we see all around us that that's not true. We see all around us that that is continuing to happen here just like anywhere. And this morning, I want to talk to us as Christians and those who... Uh, claim to follow Jesus Christ and the persecution and the resistance and the opposition that we face, whether you know it or not, we face it. Christians are persecuted all over the world. And what we experience here in the U.S. and in the West today as Christians can hardly be compared with what early Christians experienced in persecution, right? Uh, being dressed in animal skins and, and chased by lions around at parties for the entertainment of the emperor or set on poles at those parties as human torches and so on and so on. That, that actually happened in history, but we don't deal with it at that um, level. But if you're a Christian today, you will face increasing and increasing hostility and disdain and even hatred right here in our city. I've even heard over the past few weeks Christians and Christianity being blamed for what's happening in the Middle East. There is a disdain for the gospel. Now, some would say, well, that's because of your history. If you look uh, over the past years, the fact that, um, you know, throughout history, Christians have, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christianity, have done some horrific things. But those things didn't represent Christ, represent man, represented man, but they have, in fact, happened. And, and others have attached themselves and said that, say that they are Christians, they represent Christianity, and try to legitimize their racism or other kinds of hatred. And it's true. Like I said, the Christians have not always been true to Jesus. We've not represented him always well or even correct. But the truth is, the message of Christ and the opposition to it is 
to Jesus. It's an opposition to him, the one who came and healed the sick and brought the dead back to life. He fed the poor and ate with the sinner. He was put to death. And the world can find many excuses to attack Christianity and the gospel, the message of Christ, but it's none of those things that are at the core of this hostility. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in this passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 through verse 22. And as they were speaking to the people, just some background, you remember John and Peter, they had just healed the man that was lame, and they were, Peter was preaching that it was Jesus that actually did the healing. We continue here in chapter 4. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were in the high priest's family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this has been he, he has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called Peter, or so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, communicate the word to us this morning that we might find encouragement. We might find strength this morning in Jesus and in your promises. And I pray this in your name. Amen. 
So the title of the message this morning is Gospel Persecution. And my goal this morning is not to draw a line between Christians and the world and say, we got to fight, fight. It's not that. But it is to call our attention to what is happening around us so that we can see what's happening in the world. We can see what is happening in our own lives and we can find hope this morning in a world where there's no hope. And so this is the first um, this is the first account of persecution of the church of Jesus Christ. So we just had the birth of the church and the day of Pentecost and all that, and they began to be the church. And now we see this persecution coming. And what's happening here? Basically, these leaders, religious leaders and politicians, are trying to get these Christians to be quiet. Keep that to yourself. You ever experience that? Do you see that in the world that we live in today? Still today, if you are following Jesus, that will happen. It might happen in overt ways. It may happen in subtle ways with friends and friend groups or family or all those things. But there is a pushback on the gospel and on Jesus. And it, there will always be. We can sugarcoat it. We can dress up our buildings and our worship services. We can cater Starbucks coffee. We can have brunches, which we do, and they're awesome. All those things. But when we get to the truth of who Jesus is, the truth that he came to save sinners, that you and I are sinners, the world is sinners, and God's called us to repentance. If we ever get there, some hearts will melt. Some hearts will know that that is true. The Holy Spirit will draw them. They will accept and put their faith in Christ. But others will rebel others will reject it not only reject it but they will reject you a lot of the times second corinthians 2:16 paul is talking about christians that the aroma of christ exudes from and works in and around and he says to some it's a fragrance of death from death to death to others it's a fragrance from life to life when people see Jesus in you, they, it will either be the hope of life or it will be like death. Jesus promised it in Matthew 10, right? He said, they will hate you like they hate me. So why? Why this persecution? Why this opposition? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Well, first of all, Jesus is the reason for it. It says in verse 2, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were greatly annoyed with this message. I mean, it's a little mind-blowing, right? When you think about the gospel, you think about the message of Jesus. And that's part of what we've mixed up and we have to take a responsibility for. We've made it about other things. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is, is that God loves us. God came. Jesus came and died for our sins, but yet... It's annoying to some. It's annoying to the world. See, the Sadducees, it was their job, these, some of these that were getting annoyed, to interpret the Scriptures, right? They were aristocratic Jews who controlled all of what happened in the temple. And they sided with Roman leadership because they were trying to curry favor with the politicians. It was all about power to them. And when these fishermen, these uneducated men stood and started proclaiming the resurrection from the dead 
and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection from the dead. They didn't believe they rejected any future state. So which means they just believed you lived and died and that was it. They rejected those things. They were too intelligent to believe those type of things. They, they believed when you died, that was it. You went into the dirt. There was no hope. That's why they were sad, you see. Get it? I know, that's terrible. And they're thinking, how can these simple fishermen come with this message and look what it's doing? They're upsetting the apple cart here. We have our system. We have our religion. We have our jobs. We have our power. And these men are coming and they're, they're talking about theological things that we don't even agree with. And so they sought to silence them, intimidate them. Listen, Christians, this morning, they stood on their self-righteousness. We have to guard that as Christians. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. We don't fight as the world fights. You know, I don't want you to go away from here this morning thinking, we got we to gotta fight. No, no, no. It's Jesus. We've got to keep ourselves, guard ourselves from getting on the self-righteous soapbox because it's Jesus that is offensive. And this is true today as it was then. The, the world is annoyed with that message of Christianity. Why are they so annoyed with Christianity? Well, I think we see here one of the things is exclusivity. That is one of the hard things of the world to accept. That Jesus says, it's my way. I am the way. When, when Peter says here in verse 12, there's no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now listen, he's speaking, this is the Roman Empire, right? It was a very pluralistic one. You could believe in any God you wanted. They had the, the pantheon, there were all kinds of gods you were allowed to, however you wanted to do it, whoever you wanted to worship. There was only one caveat. Do not say that your God is the God. Do not say that your God is supreme because only Caesar was supreme. Even on the front of the Pantheon, there, there was this uh, inscription and the image of Caesar on the front of, this, of the Pantheon. And the inscription said this, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the pushback against Jesus Christ. His exclusive claim to be God. Jesus said to Thomas in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a difficult thing for the world to accept. I had a friend who, uh, well, he was my in-law's friend, and we used to go over to their house to, to celebrate birthdays and stuff, and he would always be there, and he would, he would back me in a corner. He wanted to argue about politics because I was a Christian. Imagine that. And I kept pushing him away from politics. Don't want to argue about politics. And he said, you know what really aggravates me then? And when you get to the bottom line, what really aggravates me is your arrogance, Christian's arrogance, that you found the way. With so many people believing so many different things, earnestly, sincerely trying to know, and you're saying that you found the way? It's hard for the world to accept. It's hard for our flesh to accept. There's an elderly woman in my building 
and we help her get groceries and take her on walks sometimes. Sometimes one time I was talking with her over a cup of coffee and I shared the gospel with her and she said, you know, Steve, I just believe that all religions are rivers that lead to God who's the ocean. Well, I pushed back a little bit. I was like, all religions? All beliefs? All belief systems? I started to just take a brief view of history and she, she backed off on that a little bit. Well, not, not everything. That's what a cruel God would do. A cruel God would say, hey, good luck. Hopefully you get it right. Guess it. Guess. She may have had something. She may have been onto something about religion, though. Religions are rivers, but they, they dump out into a swamp. It results in evil and wars. Each one does what's right in their own eyes. So the reason many people also reject the gospel, persecute it, is the mention of sin, the thought of sin, the idea that I'm a sinner. So we want different ways. We want other ways to, to get to God besides trying, having to deal with our sin. even though the gospel says that Jesus took on our sin. He bore the punishment for our sin. Still, that's offensive. And the gospel says the one true God reached into creation to save you and to save me. It's good news. He rose again, calling us to put our faith in him. Our righteousness is not our own. It's his, right? It's good news. But he is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, this morning, if you choose to believe there are many ways to God, you can and will bear the responsibility for that before God one day. But please do not claim that the Bible teaches that because it does not. We see it in this passage. We see it in what Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We've rejected absolute truth as a culture, as a society, as a world. That's why... There's a rejection of Christianity. There's no absolute truth. Everyone can believe what they want and do what they want, whatever makes you happy. Well, look what that has done in the world. If we take our eyes off and take our, um, our salvation and our righteousness into our own hands, then the result is war. The result is hatred. But God has given you that freedom. God has given the world that freedom to reject that message, but we will bear the responsibility of that, and we, we are. You can look around the world, and we are. And so if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life this morning, you will be opposed. You will find rejection in the world. So don't be surprised by that. There's repercussions. See, because this is the temptation for Christians. This morning, the temptation for you and I is just to kind of put our faith on the back burner. You know, in the culture that we live in today, we need to kind of put it back there and just live and let live. But here's the repercussions. Matthew 10. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, Jesus said, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, that's not work salvation. He's not saying you can lose it and gain it. Faith in Jesus Christ and Him as Savior seals your redemption. 
But when Christ is your Lord, when the Spirit of God is living within you, that desire is there. That fruit is there. There's also repercussions in the world. When we as Christians back off and say, okay, let's just let everybody be whatever they want, believe whatever they want. We see the brokenness all around us. Romans 1 tells us they did not see fit to acknowledge God as God, and then the floodgates opened. If you don't speak the truth of who Christ is, then we're just watching the world burn around us. Did you ever think you'd see what we see today? And it's happening quickly. Well, the inclusivity, inclusive, stop. Let me start over. Inclusive. Inclusivity. Thank you. It's written right there. I just can't. The inclusivity of the world is a lie. Just try to throw a plastic bottle in a regular garbage can here on the street. It's a lie. The world is burning down because everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. And the fruit of that, like I said, is hate and war and brokenness. Why is it that there's so much talk about love and acceptance and unity and equality and all those things? Is there so much hate all around us in our streets? It's because we can't agree on what is right. And when we take God out of the picture, His Word, His provision for salvation, for relationship with Him, then we're just making it up as we go. And that's what is happening in the world. Pushes back on anyone who says they, they have the answer. And we see it in this passage in verse 9. If we are being examined today, this is Peter responding, concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man was healed, let it be known to all of you that the, uh, and the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. And then a little smart aleck comment to me in verse 19. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God... You have to decide on that. See, what happened here was these religious leaders were protecting themselves. It was about their power. It was about their um, leadership and their people's opinion of them. And so this man, this crippled, they were telling these guys, you got to stop. The lame were being healed. Lives were being changed. And they were telling them, shh, you have to stop that because they weren't interested in those things. They were interested in themselves. Inclusivity of the world today says, if you get in my way of being happy, you have to be destroyed. I don't care what it does to others. It's about me. It's, what, it's about what I determine as righteous. And so today, Jesus Jesus is the reason for the persecution, for the pushback. If you're going to find hope today, if the world out there is going to find hope, if they're going to find peace, it's going to be in Christ and in Christ alone. There is no other message. And that's the message of the church. That should be your own as a Christian, your own personal mantra, your, your life statement, demonstration of your life is that Christ alone brings salvation and you will be opposed it will not be popular 
The good thing is, in New York City, the opportunity comes to you most of the time. If you'll just live out Jesus, someone's going to ask, what's your deal? I have people ask me all the time. When I get to know them and we become friends, they say, why do you believe that? What, what? I don't get it. Perfect. Let's talk about it. So Jesus is the reason, but Jesus is also the answer. He's the rebuttal, the response. In verse 11, when he's being called out by the leaders, Peter says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's quoting Psalm 118. And that same psalm says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. See, the Sanhedrin thought that the worship of God was based in the temple. It was based in the, the traditions, the festivals. The Jewish leaders were very particular about the temple. Part of the charges they trumped up against Jesus was that they heard him talk about destroying the temple. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well who was asking Jesus, "Where the Jews say that we worship in Jerusalem, we worship on this mountain, where do we worship? And what was Jesus' response? There will come a time where it's not there or there. It's in spirit and in truth. It's in truth. What Peter is saying is here, all of your traditions, all of your laws and religion crumble to the ground without the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus makes all the difference. This man is standing here who was once crippled, healed because of Jesus. Peter was standing there. John was standing there because of Jesus. And if Jesus is the cornerstone that everything else in life, in history and in the world, and even in death finds its true meaning and healing, we've got to bet our lives on it. We've got to build our lives on Jesus, He is the answer when the world persecutes, when the world oppresses, when the world puts pressure on you to be quiet, to stand down. It's still Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus offers real life. There is no getting around it. And this is what instinctively man says when he hears the gospel. This is the response. Isn't there some other way I can be saved? Isn't there some way I can save myself? Isn't Jesus just for those who can't save themselves? Yes. And that includes every one of us. That includes every human. We cannot save ourselves. What we see in the world around us is man trying to save himself. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave an answer to our brokenness. He gave an answer to our suffering when He gave Jesus. Christian, He's the answer for your life today. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever your fears are, your questions, your doubts, whatever your needs are, whenever you're facing persecution and difficulty, Jesus gives peace. Pursue Him. Finally, Jesus is the evidence. Verse 16, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. Jesus produces. Jesus works through His Spirit. Through the power of His Spirit, He works in and through His people. 
Jesus produces evidence in your life and in my life. This lame man was healed. There's evidence. He was standing right next to Peter and John. It says, <laughs> just can't imagine him standing there while they're talking. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's why I'm here. Thousands of souls were saved. Eternal destinies were altered because Jesus changes things. He is the evidence in your life. It says many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. That's a miracle of God, of his spirit. Jesus restored Peter. That's why Peter was there, right? Remember Peter denied Jesus around the fire to the servant girl? Interesting, he says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, that the world would recognize that you have been with Jesus, that I have been with Jesus. What did they see? They saw Jesus in them. They saw boldness, it says, when they saw the boldness. Peter wasn't always bold. We think of him maybe because he cut the... The, the soldier's ear off. He was constantly jumping out of the boat to walk with Jesus. He was, he was constantly pushing, but he wasn't bold. He, he operated out of fear most of the time and recklessness. That's why he lied to that little servant girl. But his boldness was evidence to them that he, had, that he had been with Jesus. The wisdom that they spoke with, that they carried themselves with, these were common, uneducated men, and yet the way they spoke was different. Listen, God wants to work through your life to this harsh world, the world that is often attacking you, often attacking your faith. The answer is still to be forward with, forward with Christ, to live my life with Him at the center of it, to be with Jesus that the world might recognize <clears throat> that you've been with Him. I remember when I first started walking with Christ as an adult, and I go to, I was working at the gas company in Miami and I had a little route and I had my little truck that I drove around. And I remember I used to listen to Christian music constantly. I had the cassette tapes. That tells you how long ago that was. And I was listening to Christian music. I couldn't wait. My lunch break, I would sit there in my truck and just read scripture and pray. I was hungry and thirsty for it. The deep work of Jesus in your heart and in your mind happens when you are with him. Not necessarily at church. Not necessarily my Christian friends, but when I sit alone with Christ, I press in. I cast all my cares on Him. My doubts, my fears. I lay out before Him, even though He knows what's happening in the world. God, help me to understand this. Lord, take my fears, take my stress, and get into His Word. Seek His Word. Seek the promises of His Word. I saw this quote this week. If you don't have time to read God's word and pray, then you are busier than God ever intended you to be. You've got to spend time with Jesus because what matters here, what mattered here was that they saw that these guys had been with Jesus. Somehow they saw the influence and effect of Christ in them and Peter spoke with the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it's walking in and speaking the truth. Build your life on Christ for the world to see. It's not about arguing on the internet or whatever else. It's not about fighting for our rights. It's about people seeing Jesus in me. Tim Keller said, Jesus himself 
is the main argument for why we should believe Christianity. Oh, may it be so that my neighbors, my friends would see Christ in me. Some will be attracted to that. Some will ask more questions. Some will be offended. You'll find that you, maybe you get ghosted. Maybe they don't want to hang out with you. Whatever it is, be faithful to Christ first and foremost. It produces boldness when we spend time with Him. And listen, let me encourage you this morning. If you feel like in your faith and in life you're just coasting along, or maybe you feel like you're crawling along, then you're not listening. He's speaking. He is seeking to grow you and to grow me, speaking to use you and use me. You know what, you know what um, ignites faith like nothing else? Sharing Christ, sharing the gospel with somebody. You want to get excited about Jesus again if you feel like, man, I just don't know. I'm kind of, no. This week, determine that you're going to have a conversation with somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ and be praying about it. God, open the door. Lord, show me. Because that's what the world needs. That's the answer. That's the peace that we're looking for. We have to stop trying to defend ourselves and what we stand for. No, hold out Jesus. Live for Jesus. <coughs> Rely on Him. He produces the evidence. So what evidence is in your life today? Do you have peace in the storms that come? We, we all go through the storms. Is there peace there? Is there a desire to know Him and His will for your life? Are you uncomfortable with sin? Or has it taken up residence in your life? Is there, is there sin that you struggle with and you just decide, you know what, I'm just going to put that over here on this shelf? It decays. It creates apathy in us because we're holding our hearts back from the Lord. Are people coming to Jesus? Is He touching people through your life? And are people seeing the, experiencing the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? There's a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman back in the 90s. The words are this. Well, I've got myself a t-shirt that says what I believe. I've got letters on my bracelet to serve as my ID. I've got the necklace and the keychain and almost everything a good Christian needs. But what about the change? What about the difference? What about the grace? What about forgiveness? What about a life that's showing I'm undergoing the change? Does the world see Jesus in me? That is the answer. Jesus and his message of salvation, the gospel, will produce opposition and persecution. But he is the source of life. He is worth it. Trust him. If you're trying to make Jesus palatable to your friends, if you're spending a lot of your time uh, trying to figure out a clever way or a watered-down version of Jesus or even an apologetic, apologizing for Christians or any of that, stop. Press into Jesus and ask Him to move through you to show the world who He is because He changes everything. Salvation is a miracle of God. We, we want to believe that everybody's going. Everybody's not going because it takes faith. And you can't faith someone else. You can't convince them 
as well. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit. When I came to Christ, it wasn't because I connected all the dots and started to see, oh, you know, this actually is very clever. No, it's because the Holy Spirit changed my heart. God worked inside of me, drawing me to himself. And Christians, as you see the world burning all around us, listen, do not fear. Yes, we should have a broken heart for all that we see around us. Yes, we should be ministers of reconciliation. We should seek to love and grieve with those who grieve and rejoice with those who rejoice. But the world is screaming right now. Don't let them out-scream Jesus' voice in your life. Take time to spend in the Word and in prayer and in casting your cares on Him. He will produce the evidence. In a world of confusion, He is the way. In a world of lies, He is the truth. And in a world of death and destruction, He is the life. You can trust Him. Trust Him today. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we have hope this morning in Christ. Lord, we have hope. Um, peace that passes understanding. God, um, a lot of times we, um, we just get defensive. We just want to protect ourselves. We, wanna, we don't want to be uncomfortable. But Lord, you've called us to the truth, which is Christ. The truth, which is the gospel. The truth that no man comes to the Father but through Jesus. And that you've paid the price for our sin on the cross. We need not bear the burden of our sin. We need not bear the guilt and shame of our rebellion, but cast it on you. Bring it to the foot of the cross. May we do that first and foremost. Trust you with our sin. And then may we live. <clears throat> may we live that way. Live as though we have a Lord and Savior who heals, who changes, who does miracles every day. Lord, may we walk closer with you. And Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage as we leave this place, as we interact with our coworkers and neighbors and those around us, God. May, we, may our lives shine as evidence to the world around us that you are who you say you are. Our love for one another, our love for our neighbors, may that be loud and clear. <clears throat> we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.